Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode two, four. I just, we just stopped there because we're Canadian, right? Two fours right now. Two, four, two. We're yeah, recording yeah. this live July 10th, 2015. That is Friday morning. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me as usual. It is Asif Khan of the Location-Based Marketing Association in Toronto, enjoying the weather and uh, about to go get uh, covered in more mosquito bites as I go camping this weekend. <laughs> I'm doing the same thing. You know what? I'm heading up. I'm taking my kids to uh, Palmer Rapids, which is up uh, upper Madawaska River. Um, yep. There's uh, rapids up there. It's a, it's a, it's a drive-in tent rapid. Basically, just redo the rapids, body surfing. Can't wait. It's going to be great. going to be good. Well, hopefully, all of us will come back in one piece. Safe and sound. Asif, you're offering uh, some moral support there for your team? I am. I am. The, the Jays have struggled the last uh, <laughs> week or so. Um, they, need, they need some support. So if you're, you know, if you're Canadian uh, or you're a Jays fan anywhere in the world, like, you know, get your shirts on, get your hats on, help them feel some love. Uh, you know, they've, they've dropped back a couple games. They're like, obviously nobody's out of it in the American League East, but... Uh, you know, hey, I don't know. I, Jose Batista is in a funk. That's all I gotta say. Well, the guy's not batting well at all. No. Batting average, everything. He's no breaking bats. He's throwing stuff. He's he's, oh, yeah. he's he's angry. He is angry. It's really helping him as his demeanor at the plate, right? When he strikes out all the time. Yeah. But it's uh, Josh Donaldson that this cat is unbelievable. He's the clutch guy. He is the guy. And maybe that's what it is. Batista's like, wow, I'm no longer the guy that everybody's focusing on. Like Josh Donaldson, by the way, is a third baseman for the Toronto Blue Jays. Acquired him this in this offseason, and he actually set the all-time record for fan votes for the All-Star Game. Josh Donaldson, amazing! The Thanks guy to Don. is unbelievable, and that catch he made uh, like couple, like I guess two weeks ago, unbelievable. It's, it should be like the catch of the year. Well, they called it. Uh, he pulled the Derek Jeter, right? That's what they call it. Yeah, As he dove into the stands, right? Whatever. Except he didn't come up bloody and battered and bruised, man, like Derek Jeter did. Yeah. There's nobody that has anything. Yeah, well, Derek Jeter's soft. You know, he gets hurt easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Wow. All right. Wow, All right. wow, wow. Right. Wow. Yes, um, I'm wearing my uh, Meerkat shirt today simply because of the announcement. It's timely, the announcement that they just came out with yesterday. They put out a new version of Meerkat. And now, uh, granted, I don't use Meerkat very often anymore. I don't use Periscope often anymore. Starting to see some good uses that are emerging from it. But they have this great feature that I thought was really cool called Cameo. If you are a Meerkat user and you've downloaded the latest version, you can actually ask people to come into your stream and give them a minute to come into your stream and take over your stream. It's pretty cool. There's, it is cool. There's, this is, there's amazing implications of this, I think. that uh, So I'm just in support of, of Meerkat because I'm wearing a Meerkat shirt. That's, I have one. If I had a Periscope shirt, I'd wear it too. But I have a Meerkat shirt. So. Uh, yeah. So what's going on? You got a couple of events. What's start, starting to ramp up again? Did you already have your vacation? It's like summer's no, three no, weeks it's, old. You know, there's, there's still there's always some events going on. Uh, but uh, we've got two that we're involved with uh, this month. On the 22nd, July 22nd, down in Atlanta, our uh, Atlanta chapter is teaming up with IBM uh, and their local uh, team there for an event called the Retail Experience. So that's July 22nd. Uh, you can go to the LBMA website uh, events page and you'll find all the details there. And then on the 26th, uh, the Chicago chapter is actually hosting an event. Um, and this uh, is in partnership with a group called the Digital Professional Institute. 
Uh, it's uh, July 27th in the evening, 6 to 7.30 uh, at, the, at the DPI uh, facility. Uh, and uh, Geophedia and Iris Mobile uh, will be uh, participating in that as well. Um, and actually, um, while I'm thinking about it, uh, Geophedia uh, also uh, has a webinar coming up later this month. Uh, you can find details about that, and that is uh, talking about uh, the work that they've been doing with the NCAA. Uh, so some interesting insights uh, there, uh, so check that out. Um, so just go to the events page at uh, thelbma.com forward slash events, and you'll learn more about all that stuff and, and more. All right, so just go to thelbma.com forward slash events for all of those um, two events. It's pretty lame, Asif. It's pretty quiet for you. I'm not well, as for July, yeah, you know. Not, I'm not as impressed as I as I once was. You're taking too much time <laughs> Just off. Just wait till September, Rob. Then you'll 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 be freaking out again. Exactly. I cannot wait. For, well, I, I can. This is it. But you know what? What I found here is that it's probably harder to schedule these podcasts during the summer than it is when you're traveling all over the world. This is true. It is. Like, there's no connectivity when you're camping. No. 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 All right. Well, uh, we have nothing left to uh, you know announce. So why don't we just jump into the top ten stories? We got ten great stories. We got a resource uh, that Asif has pulled up, uh, the Prox book, and then we've got a. It's not a guest, and you've seen him here many times before. But his name is Chuck Martin, and the things that he says actually come true. It's like Simon, right? Um, and he's going to be talking to us very quickly about the how flyers use flyers, like as in people who get on planes like Asif use mobile and how the airlines use mobile um, in order to end location. So that's that's our our kind of pseudo guest for this this week. What do you say we jump into the top 10 stories? Asif? Let's do it. You're up first. I get to start. I love starting. Well, this is a, uh, you, you know, AOL has had such a bad rap, Asif, uh, maybe maybe or maybe not. Um, you know, they made a movie, they made a stupid jingle, they did all that kind of stuff. And when you think, we're, you know, uh, part of over the last 20 years, how much of a part AOL has been of many people's lives, it's crazy to think that these guys are uh, are, are done yet. And, and, you know, but they were, they were bought by, what, Verizon for $4.4 billion a while back. And now what, what is rumored to be happening here is that uh, AOL is going to buy Millennial Media. Now, Millennial Media is one of the last independent ad, mobile ad um, services out there still. Like, there's a lot of companies that have come and gone, and these guys have still maintained that. In fact, they've been an acquirer of smaller companies. But over the last little while, the interest in them is waning. Their revenue is a little bit flat. Their valuations have come down quite substantially since the time that they were valued. They had like a, like a basically a, a market cap of $217 million now. And this is a rumored to be an acquisition between three and $350 million. So they're paying a premium for it. Um, and this, this may make a lot of sense because when you've got Verizon, who bought AOL in order to be able to get into the mobile space in the mobile advertising world, um, and you've got Verizon, obviously, that has the, all of their uh, subscribers, and now you've got something like Millennium media that is one of the last standing independent ad networks on the planet um, you know maybe in Moby's in there as well but you know these guys are, are fighting it out um, this makes a lot of sense I think from from AOL's perspective or from a Verizon perspective um, but I think quite frankly that you know what we're seeing in the ad market is uh, you know a complete decline nobody wants to see any kind of mobile ad mobile banner ad so this is a last-ditch effort for millennial to get some exit money and, and put it in their pockets and and you know maybe it is AOL the old AOL that's sitting there thinking hey you know what we could buy this it, we're, we'd be new again and they're buying technology and a company that is probably two years past its prime bah. what do you think of that 
Uh, it's interesting, and obviously they still uh, they still hold uh, MapQuest, which we've talked about yep, a few yep. times. So it'd be interesting to see if there you know would be any way to tie the MapQuest piece together with uh, Millennial Media's uh, ad targeting capabilities. I don't know. It's That's it's weird, you know, because they they talk about this industry being the, like the mobile advertising business being a hundred billion dollars in twenty sixteen, um, and you know fifty one percent of the digital ad market. But but all I see everywhere around me is these signs saying like every, like the digital ad industry is on fire, like burning, right? And I think that we all think that it's you know I. I think if you look at the industry, everybody says, wow, $100 billion, that's great. But it's it's a fraction of the cost or a fraction of the revenue that could possibly actually be unlocked if people stop focusing on stupid banner ads and ads on small screens and started thinking really, really effectively about how they're using uh, their dollars to, to attract customers. So, Because um, I think $100 billion sounds a lot, but I, I, I think it's a tip of an iceberg if you just get rid of legacy thinking around advertising and start thinking new, in new ways. I'd say take the money and run, Millennium. Take the money and run. Stay yes. Go there on, you go. take the money and run. All right, our second story. Now, while the EU is struggling with the uh, potential bankruptcy of Greece and what to do with all that nonsense over there, uh, one of their other uh, investments, one of their other projects, uh, you know, they, they're, they're not just about currency. These guys are funding all sorts of research and technology and whatever. Uh, and uh, they, there's a project that they've been involved with since 2013. Uh, it's a collaboration between universities in the UK, Holland, and Denmark uh, known as the GHOST project. And GHOST is an acronym for Generic Highly Organic Shape-Changing Interfaces. Um, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Talking, Interface doesn't start with a T. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know how they come up with that. It's ghosty, you know. not ghost. Yeah. Ghost. I don't know. Ghost. They call it ghost. I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just telling the news like That's it is. lame. I don't make this stuff up. All right, carry on. But anyways, Sorry. it's the ghost, uh, the ghost project. <laughs> the ghosty uh, problem project. Go and, on. and so we talk a lot on this show uh, and in the industry about sort of how uh, you know digital out of home is evolving and, and how mobile and location are becoming part of that. But you know, part of what we should be talking about on this, in my opinion, is is advances in screen technology as well, and that's where the Ghost Project sits. So, essentially, what they've developed is a uh, a way to let customers interact with the content that's actually coming out of the screen, to be able to touch it and manipulate it and 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 feel it. And, uh, and this is kind of interesting. So basically, it's like pulling. They describe this as pulling the data, like a physical object out of the screen manipulating what what they term the ghost uh, which are objects in the air that are uh, you know coming out of these screens so this is interesting stuff um, it relies on advances in 2d uh, and 3d uh, object technology using something called deformable screens and ultrasound levitation technology oh so there's a lot of science uh, that's uh, that's going <laughs> into all of this obviously this is a university uh, project this is research uh, at this point but you never know where this thing is going to go. Uh, a while back, I talked about a, um, a company called Displayer, which uh, had basically taken a uh, bastardized a Dyson uh, Airblade uh, type of thing and a projector and put them together to basically project content, effectively a virtual screen that you could manipulate the air uh, and the content around that. You know that was pushing through this sort of Dyson Airblade. 
Um, and so it's in a similar kind of uh, vein here, but I th much more advanced, much uh, much more technology uh, in this and science in this, you know, with this kind of 3D levitation stuff. But you never know where this where this can go, right? I mean, this could be the screens of the future. We're all interacting with the content that's uh, that's coming out of it and and have the ability to manipulate it. So check it out. Uh, it is spelled G H O S T. Um, and uh, like I said, it's uh, it's the generic, highly organic, shape-changing interface. I see what they did there. They took the inter interface, right? They, yeah. The interface. The yes. interface. They couldn't come up with one simple word that started with T. That was it like a synonym for interface. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. 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 Yeah, I'll make fun of that until they actually succeed. <laughs> Smart well, guys spelling ghost wrong. That's what I'm saying. I just uh, you know what. How, how smart can they be? Not that smart, I guess. Not that smart. Smarter guy right here. Levitation stuff. Mm -hmm. Needs that. All right. Well, speaking of speaking of smart, everybody, you always give me. You get that story, and then I get the ice cream story. Is this really? This is well, really you know, pizza and ice cream. You know, like you know, you don't eat this stuff, so I got to give it to you this way. It's pretty funny though, but you take the scientific approach, and I get the ice cream story. That's really good. I like that. I see. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, there's a uh, ice cream store called the Big Gay Ice Cream Store in uh, East Village in New York City. And these guys, uh, there is a great, like, four-minute overview on their website uh, around what, the, how, how this, this company came to be. Big Gay Ice Cream started back in 2009 just as a sort of a lark. We didn't set out to build an ice cream business. I wanted to do something fun one summer, and an ice cream truck presented itself to me through a friend. So I became an ice cream trucker. Brian and I met back in 2006, and our first date was at Barnes & Noble. In 2009, we started Big Gay Ice Cream Truck. Now we have two shops, and we're about to open one in Los Angeles as well. The reason we're talking about it here is because they're one of the companies that, it's a typical small business, right? They have a couple of shops and they need to be able to market their, their product. Um, so they turn to a whole bunch of different things and one of those things is Facebook. And they're leveraging Facebook tips now. Remember we talked about Facebook tips was uh, the extension of Facebook tip, tips with uh, with Bluetooth and beacons and, and Facebook was actually sending small businesses beacons and uh, this is one of those companies that, that has, has actually enabled these things. So when you walk into the Big Gay Ice Creams East Village, lo Village location um, and you have uh, Bluetooth enabled, obviously, and you're using the Facebook app, it will pop open or it will pop up and it will say, hey, listen, you are here. Hear what your friends have to say. Uh, you know, unlo uh, Unlock the place tips around this place. And it's actually very, very, very been very effective for them because they live, breathe, and die by the interaction of their customers and word of mouth uh, selling. And that's what they do. So they basically, it, it, you know, when when you click on the message that says, hey, interact with us when you're in the store, it's taken, they take to a unique screen with the ability to, uh, you know, be, you know, check the location, like the location. Uh, it'll show you what your friends uh, have thought about the location. They love comments about the locations, photos that they've posted. Um, and then it allows you to just rate the service. Was it great to just okay or bad? And um, then uh, obviously it allows you to like this and be a part of this community. And this is, this is actually very, very, uh, a perfect example of how this kind of technology can connect the digital and the real life and give you instantaneous access to other people's thoughts that are in your social group and also be um, you know more proactive inside the store from the store's side as well. This is a really good example of a small business loving this.
Love this. Love it. Yeah, fantastic. You know what? I'm going to reach out to these guys and see if maybe we can get them out to retail local. We'd love to, I'd love to have that small business uh, perspective on uh, firsthand and, and hear from them. But so. this is what it's built for, right? This is this is what it's built for. It's not maybe the big guys are going to use it, but it's the small guys who who maybe have a small marketing budget or no marketing budget that require word of mouth uh, marketing. And word of mouth engenders so much more trust than anything that we could do, right? So any any ads that are blasting at you, you trust less obviously than if if it comes from somebody that you you actually have a relationship with and and how many times have you been into like what purple cow in out east right yeah here in canada and uh and and they have like 47 flavors and they change all the time and each store might have a different flavor set and i would just love it if i could just open up an app and say like you know what are the popular flavors here what are the ones that i should and shouldn't have and yeah well you remember the work that tasty delight did back yep. in the day tasty I mean, delight all Blast around all that past. stuff and uh, bj emerson and uh, man some fantastic innovation in using location technology yeah uh back then so there you go. Uh, Big Gay Ice Cream. I the love Big Gay it. Ice Cream. Now, you can go to biggayicecream.com, biggayicecream.com, and you can find out a little bit more about these guys and, and uh, how they started with the truck. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a great story, and it's a typical small business story that I'm really happy that uh, we, can, we can feature here. Good story, Steve. Awesome. It's better than right. Gosey. You see, you're happy about the story now, aren't you? <laughs> it's better than Gosey. That's true. Uh, okay. I mean, All right. Our fourth story. Now, one of our uh, fantastic LBMA members is Gimbal. Uh, you yes. know, the, these guys are all over uh, the beacon and indoor positioning uh, world at the moment. And this week they announced uh, a new beacon, actually, called the U-Series 5 beacon. And uh, I wanted to just take a minute to highlight it on the show this week because it's kind of different. It, it's, uh, you know, one of the challenges in the beacon space today that we hear a lot uh, about is... The, uh, the size of the beacons, and in particular, size is typically defined by battery life. You know, if you want a beacon that's going to last longer, you need a bigger battery, which takes more space. It means the beacon takes up more space. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, and then you got to worry about maintenance and changing batteries and all this kind of stuff. So, Gimbal has developed this new, uh, this new beacon, the U-Series 5, that is, uh, doesn't require a battery. Uh, at all. In fact, the way it works is it, it pulls power from USB. Uh, just like anything when we plug USB things into our, uh, into our computers for charging or anywhere else, uh, essentially this is how it works. So anywhere you have a USB port uh, in your environment, uh, whether that is, uh, you know, that could be, um, you know, a cash register, a point of sale system, uh, you know, whatever equipment you've got around you, uh, computers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you effectively, you plug this uh, this this beacon, this very small footprint beacon, in, into into the port, and it gets its power from from that environment. So it's it's really plug and play. It's still Bluetooth powered, um, but it's USB instead of battery. Uh, I think this is fantastic. This is uh, you know great. You know, sort of move forward for getting more beacons in, into the ecosystem, uh, and not having to worry about you know the maintenance and, and battery replacement issues that uh, a lot of the other uh, beacons are uh, have. So there you go. Yeah, good story. We always talk about the, uh, you know, the unseen costs of beacon implementation. And the single greatest unseen cost is, uh, you know, what happens in a year or two when you have to replace all those beacon batteries that you've, you've mm. attached to places that you can't remember where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And then oftentimes they'll just be forgotten, just discarded, not used again. So gimbal. There you go. I like gimbal. I should have worn my gimbal t-shirt. 
because yeah. I really like gimbal. Well, we're going to have those guys on in a few weeks as the guests too, so I'm working that out right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll hear firsthand about some of the new stuff that they have coming. Actually, there's some big announcements coming, I was told, yesterday. So mm-hmm. That's a teaser. Yeah. So that's a teaser. In a couple of weeks, though. End of the month-ish. All right. Well, that's good. All right. Well, uh, you know, when we look at our next story, it, it, it doesn't have quite the, the same impact as or, or ring as the gimbal or big gay ice cream or ghost, go see. Um, but and it's something that I often don't think about it. Today is Friday. Today is my garbage day. So, of course, I'm the guy that gets up at, you know, the crack of dawn, does what I need to do. And then I hear the, the garbage truck driving by. And then I'm the guy running down the street with the, my garbage bags in hand saying, no, 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 because we only have every two weeks is garbage collection. Yep. Every week is recycle. Right. So uh, now there's a company called Rubicon Global that, if it has its druthers, will become, oh, God, God help me for saying this, the Uber of garbage collection. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wants to be the Uber of something. I know, but stop. Just be the company that you were set out to be. Don't be the Uber of anything. So what what does the Uber of garbage mean? Is that what demonstrations in France and burning of cars and getting thrown in jail because you're running an illegal taxi service? That's really what you want to be known as? Okay. I'll start burning my garbage then, Rubicon. That's what the Uber of garbage is. No, no. So the Uber of garbage is, these guys are doing it right now for Fortune 500 companies. They are doing on-demand garbage pickup. It's a pretty unique way of actually making money as well because there's a cost associated with, you know, large companies, uh, Fortune 500 companies and, and garbage pickup. So what they're doing is they're picking up the garbage and they are taking a percentage of the amount saved from the actual garbage collection bill that you would typically have. So they've obviously got an algorithm that does all that. They do an assessment and they say, okay, we'll save you this much money. We'll take a percentage of that. It's pretty unique. Um, and, and they charge based on that. And then they also take some of the stuff about recycling and, and money they can make from the recycling charges as well. So, you know, there's, there's a unique business model along here. Now they want to bring it to you and I, to the average person who doesn't like to sit with their garbage and stew for two weeks and bake in the summer heat or freeze in our winters. Although freezing, you don't get slugs and maggots and birds and stuff eating it all. So they, they really want to do, they, they basically it would work like Uber. You have an app. You say, I'm here. I have this garbage. I need it picked up. Send somebody. And what it does is it doesn't send it out to the traditional garbage trucks. It goes out to the smaller companies, the, the smaller guys who are uh, typically doing waste removal as well. They have the trucks that are driving around like 1-800-GOT-JUNK, those guys that are basically floating around that say, hey, listen, we've got excess time, excess inventory, and we'll stop by if we're in the neighborhood and we'll pick up your stuff. Unique. I like the idea. Uh, Who would have thought? Garbage. Garbage is a cool app. Hey, you know what, honey? I left my the door open, I left the stove on, and I need to get a garbage pickup. Boom! All done from a mobile device. Yeah, you know, like, it's interesting, right? Like, it's it's the kind of thing that... I might use it once or twice a year, right? It's um, there, yep. like, like definitely in the last month or so. There's been situations where you know, just uh, as you say, garbage pickup here where I am is also every other week. Yes. Um, and so the, there's the, there's always that situation where you have some big event going on, you produce an inordinate amount of garbage, and you're like, oh, you know, garbage pickup just happened yesterday. And now I got to sit here for two weeks with you know all this stuff piled up because I just had a big party or I just did whatever. Or so, you just have you know, kids. Yeah, or you just have kids <laughs> or whatever it is, right? It's um, you know, so, so yeah, there's there is those situations where it would be neat to be able to just say, hey, you know, well, I'd love to get this out of here sooner, and not wait two you know two full weeks to to do that. So you know, yeah. Steve, I, I got to tell you is that uh, we, we missed this just so well. I, I have empathy for for parents, new parents now. 
Um, because uh, we had twins, obviously, and it, this rule, uh, this law that did, did garbage pickup every every other week, happened maybe two or three years ago for us. So the kids were out of diapers. But at one point in our life, we were going through between 26 and 30 diapers a day with two kids, right? 26 and 30 diapers a day over a two-week span. Basically, <laughs> can you imagine how parents feel? Oh my God! Yeah, that garbage. We, we would just—it would be the worst thing ever, right? And, and even despite all the greatest technology and the way that the the diapers absorb, you cannot take two weeks of diapers with twins and hide that stench. I'm just leaving that with you. Crazy. It doesn't work. It does there you go. So Rubicon. Rubicon. Yeah, Rubicon. Rubicon uh, Global. You can check them out if you want. All right. Our sixth garbage. story. Uh, I like this one. Over over to the UK. Uh, Bulmers, a well-known uh, brand in the uh, in the cider world, the UK cider brand, um, it, you know, has done something very interesting here. They've opened up a new bar uh, uh, in uh, Shoreditch, and it actually opens t- uh, today as we're recording this, July the 10th. Why are we not uh, there? I know. We should be there for the opening of these things. Mm. And it's, it's all around a campaign that they've put together called Live Colorful. And you can go to the hashtag on Twitter, Live Colorful, to kind of see what's going on. But they built this thing called the Live Colorful Bar. And this is very interesting. It's the world's first black and white bar. Now, let me explain what that is for a second. So basically, they've designed this bar. Everything in this bar is black and white, from the carpet to the chairs to the lighting to the walls. To it's it's like you're walking in. They purposely designed this so that you're walking into what it looks like an old black and white film scene. Oh, that's cool. Okay, including everybody that works there, all the bar staff, uh, bartenders, everybody. They brought in makeup artists, film crew, designers, everybody. And so, so every like they they've got makeup artists that had to work like and test different things out to basically you know black and white out the uh, the staff. So that they like they don't show up. So everything is supposed to basically be like you know like you just don't see it. It's just black and white. And then you walk into this bar, and the only color that shows up in this bar is whatever you're wearing, and the Bulmer's cider. That is right? cool. So so it, the point is is to draw out you know the the only color that's visible in this entire monochrome place is the drink that you're that you're seeing and they've got an, a new uh, a new uh, version of the cider called zesty blood orange uh, is one of the one of the flavors uh, and then you and so then they encourage you to come in and dress as colorfully as you as you want so that you show up so the patrons are, are visible and the drinks are visible and everything else is not visible that uh, is crazy cool phenomenal stuff love this this is for me like you know true location based experiential retail Design, love it. Oh, I got him. I'm now. I'm, now I've. Uh, now I'm stuck in the pictures here on Twitter on the stream. So if you if you're interested in that, if you're you're not watching the podcast live in video, just go to hashtag live color live colorful right live colorful. Yeah, it's amazing. So like yeah. I said, it opens today in Shoreditch uh, in East 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 London. If you're there, go do this. That's pretty. Check cool. it out. You actually show up. They give you two tokens when you arrive at the door for uh, to, that you can redeem for two bottles uh, of uh, of the Bulmer cider. So come on. Why wouldn't you do this? Go well check done. it out. That's well done. Wow. I like that kind of stuff. That, well, that's the future of retail. We talk about that, that it has to be that kind of experience yeah. inside of the store. Or else why would you go in there? Right? 
And while we're talking about East London, uh, we'll stay right there for our next story. Exactly. Right? So just jump over there now. You know, if you've ever thought about, you know, printing your own cup, for example, a coffee mug, now you can 3D print it, and then you can go and have a cup of coffee in it. This is a this. I don't know why we don't have this. I sent it off to a friend of mine when you sent me the story, who runs Makerspace North up here in Ottawa, and I thought, my this why why don't we have this? It's called Maker's Cafe. Maker's Cafe. It's in London. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a cafe. You don't have to, it's not black or white, but it is about uh, makers. And uh, so it, it's a cafe slash education area slash 3D printing area slash design hub where you can get things done and built for you. So it's, it's ultimately the greatest thing that I've ever seen. And what they're doing now is that you can actually uh, send them a, uh, a mock-up or a, a schematic of a mug that you want, or you can be in there and have them print up a mug, uh, literally a, a mug for your coffee and, and, and then have it printed while you wait and then drink a cup out of it. Um, this is a, uh, I'm going to actually do a, everybody a service here and I'm going to actually play their video about what they do here. It's about, this is a, a couple of minutes about Maker's Cafe and it gives a great sense. It's done by the Wall Street Journal. It's done a great sense. It gives you a great sense of what they do here. It's just, I freaking love this. We need to bring this into Ottawa. I don't know if, do you have something like this in Toronto, Asif? We don't, no. I, I guess that if... I, we, I know like the, the Toronto reference library, like the big huge library in Toronto has a 3D printer and things like that that you yeah. can go play around with. No. Like this, not, not like this. Not like this. So watch this. Watch this, and it, it'll encapsulate everything that I want to say, and it does it very well, and it uh, takes into consideration the voice of the founder and the owner. So here it is, Maker's Cafe. Welcome to Shoreditch, East London. This is Maker's Cafe. So it's half maker space, half cafe. Um, the idea is people can come in, uh, grab a coffee, discuss projects, and when they come up with an idea, they bring the file to us and we make it happen on the spot by using our technologies like laser cutting and 3D printing. Most of them, they just have a basic idea of what they want, but they don't have the skill set to make it happen. So we sit down with the people and they tell us what they want and they show us some sketches and we open our computer, our CAD software, and we turn that idea into a file that we can run through our machines. We're not just a maker space, we are a cafe as well, and it's a very good um, um, conversation starter. I see this as a show business rather than a manufacturing business, and one of the slogans we push is the theatre of manufacturing. So you are the audience, and then we are the actors on the stage with our machines, and you have the freedom to um, just grab a coffee and just chill out and just watch what's happening around you and witness the manufacturing process or you can get involved by bringing us something that you would like to be created. So this is our coffee space. It's a collaboration with Old Shortage Station. They are the cool kids in the space in Shortage. People can just take a seat, grab a coffee and discuss projects. They can make things on the spot. This is all about the theatre of manufacturing. At the evenings and weekends we organise workshops. Um, they are intro classes, they are all free. The intention is people will get an intro to these technologies and then a couple of weeks later, hopefully, they will turn that uh, crazy idea into something that they can make use of our services for. People assume that at some point we will have 3D printers in our houses, a bit like a washing machine or an inkjet printer. I foresee people will have 3D printers in their houses, but there's nothing stopping us from providing our services with our consultancy or workshops, training. Um, so Maker's Cafe is a uh, combination of all my fantasies in one place. 
Yeah, that's Maker's Maker's Cafe. Such a, a unique thing, so contextual, experiential, as we said. You don't just go in there and have a cup of coffee. You can, but what's around you is 3D printers whirling and whizzing and ideas being generated and things being created. And then you stay at, at, you know, after hours and it becomes like a place where education happens, where they do courses and programs and, and they teach you stuff about, uh, about being a maker. And I just freaking, we need this here. I love this. Two great awesome. stories. Bulmer's Maker's Cafe. Like booze, coffee, maker space, experiential. Let's stop here. <laughs> if only we could, Rob. Oh, like there's the, more. The world location just continues to go. And yes. you know, like it's, uh, you know, it's hard every week to kind of decide on just 10 things because there's like, there's 50 things we could talk about. Yes. But, uh, you know, uh, our next story is an interesting one. Um, and I found out about this actually late last night and just swapped this in on Rob this morning. So uh, he has no preparation on this, but it, it, it's a great story. Um, basically, see, uh, that, would, that would assume that I prepare for any story. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, put it, put it in context here. This is all a surprise to me. There you go. Okay. Carry on. So there's a group out there called Spark, and this is uh, they describe themselves as a gender equality collective. Now, um, what they've done is they've designed an app called Women on the Map, uh, W-O-M-E-N, Women on the Map, um, and it does exactly what you what it sounds like it's going to do. It's basically in a positive a, way. Yeah, in in a very positive yeah. way. So it helps you discover what they describe as fierce and clever women whose contributions to history have been sadly overlooked. Uh, and, and so basically what you have here, and they, they give this example of, of the sort of disparity that goes on. So they say when you look at New York City and you look at statues, plaques, uh, you know, and street names uh, that have been named after people or honor people, there are 145 statues of men and only five of women. Um, and so they want to sort of, uh, you know, bring some equality to this issue. And so what they've done is through this app, you basically, uh, w you know, um, wherever you are, if you're near a place that a woman, a woman was, uh, had achieved something extraordinary in that place, your phone will buzz with a geolocation alert telling you, uh, about that place and, and the woman who came from there or achieved something there and what that was. There are currently 119 women in 28 different countries so far that have been uh, uh, put into this uh, app. And you can nominate women yourself by emailing Spark. Uh, you write a 300-word uh, description about why they should be included in the community, uh, and, uh, and they'll take a look at it. They have a whole committee that, uh, that looks at this kind of stuff. And uh, there you go. Uh, Spark's Women on the Map. Amazing. It, what, Amazing. One of the other, just a little quick sidebar on that is... Uh, the core technology behind this uh, is they use Google's field trip uh, technology to enable sort of the background location uh, awareness piece of this. So I, I love that stuff. I love when people just go and kind of take the technology that's out there and then find great use cases for it. So well done, Spark and women on the map. You should put every mother on the map, right? Yeah. That's what you should course. do. Jeez, unsung heroes. That's a great story. That's a very, very, very good story. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, it, what drives me crazy about it is that we have to still have these conversations about parity yeah, and, and well, equality. Um, we it just that drives me crazy. They're so. important stories, right? And and like the other one that we told, um, I think it was in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. I don't remember one of those two. The woman who opened the uh, the clothing store. 
Yes. And, uh, you know, she uses the current gender equality statistics. And so when you go into this store, uh, <laughs> if you're a man, you pay 100% of whatever the price is. But if you're a woman, you pay like, you know, 80%, 70%, because, you know, you earn 70% of what a man earns. Yeah. So there you go. Um, it's so I, I it's it's just, crazy. I find that uh, that you know we are coming through an awakening now, right? Uh, coming through with Supreme Court decisions that that show that humans are humans and people are people and everybody has the same rights. And but I just it just strikes me as as just a like we're still so far away. We're still so far away. It drives me crazy. And my my hope is that our kids, Steve, just don't even think that this is yeah. a weird thing that that we have to do these things, right? Just that it's just part of that everybody's equal. I hope. Well, I know that's that's what my mother fought for in in Muslim nations and teaching women their rights when they didn't think that they had any and and uh, and you, you know those are the kind of things that it just when we we take for granted, especially in Canada, right? Holy cow, yeah. And we don't think that we're just we're we're basically one generation removed from women voting and giving the right to, for women to vote. Which is just, can you imagine? Like think about that today. Yeah. Anyway. Some places still don't have it. I know, but that's it, it just it just yeah. Wow. Anyhow. Anyway. Anyway, on to the next story, which is about um, ride sharing. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, Uber becoming the Uber of garbage. Um, now, you know, the problem with Uber is that, and we're seeing it everywhere. Uh, the, the the one problem that everybody keeps focusing on, I saw it in our local news last night because here in Ottawa, they're fighting Uber, right? You got demonstrations everywhere because if you look at here in Ottawa, just uh, see if I don't know if I told you this in Ottawa, Uber um, has the impact that Uber's had on cabs on the revenue. We're talking about a 70% decline in revenue for cabbies this year because of Uber. That's mm -hmm. the impact, right? So it's not that they're, uh, they're, they're not, they're not fighting for safety, right? If you've been in a cab, you know you're not fighting for safety. Um, you know that they're not fighting for the fact that they have a license. They're fighting for their life, right? And that's what they're trying to tell you is that they want to hold on to what is old because that's how they made their money. And oftentimes they've acquired these taxi chits illegally. They're sh they're sharing cabs. They're you know uh, anyway. There's so much nefarious activity going on in cabbies. The fact that they're fighting for safety drives me up the wall. It's because no, you're losing revenue. Why? Because some more innovative something better is arriving and you're just you just want to hold on to the past like advertising right like television like radio like newspapers all those guys are going through it cabbies are now going through it but listen one of the one of the things that happens though is that if you actually um, do not take more than two passenger or two uh, uh, two trips with somebody um, it, it I don't think that you're considered a cab Right, so you're not considered an illegal taxi if you're doing ride sharing, and ride sharing is up to two trips there and back, basically. So that's what happens, you know, when you bring a friend with you to work. It's ride sharing, and now Google. Remember those? The, well, that's what that's what we that, that's what they're promoting right now in Toronto, right? I mean, so yeah. we have the same battle going on. But as you know, today is the start of the Pan Am Games. Yes, Toronto is it <laughs> is a nightmare with traffic right now. We've got all these. They've taken the high, the major highways, and they've you know basically Just shut them down. Taking a whole lane out uh, just for Pan Am traffic, yeah. uh, and and for ride sharing, right? right? It's it's high high occupancy vehicle. I mean, it, it's it's uh, it, it's crazy. It works great if you got you know three people in your car, but if you're by yourself, then forget it. Like you're going to be in traffic for like an extra hour or two. No problem. And, and, that, and that's just on a that's when there's no typically no traffic in Toronto yeah. these days. But um, that's why they had those. Remember they had the inflatable dolls that you can actually put oh. as your as your as your uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as your 
you know, as your in your passenger seat. Is that what seat. you did with your inflatable doll, Rob? <laughs> 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 well played, Mr. Khan. Well played. Mm. Back to the story, though. I, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, well, yeah, this is, so we're talking about ride sharing here and I think that's where Lyft started. When I was in San Francisco a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, Lyft was there and they were ride sharing, right? Uh, They weren't as much into the Uber space, um, as, as they were just about being picked up on the side of the road by somebody who had spare space. And so, uh, Google bought this company a while ago called Waze. They spent a billion dollars and it's really an Israeli company and they've started something called Ride With, which is basically a coordinated ride sharing service that is not Uber, that is not Lyft. The way it works is basically you pay a certain amount of cost, a fee for the, uh, for the gas charges, for the impact on maintenance on the, on, the, on the drive that you're in there. So if you're in there five minutes, you'll pay for the five minutes of, of deterioration that happens or, uh, for the car and the gas. And, um, and this is ultimately how, how you pay this person. And then Lyft gets uh, or not Lyft, sorry, Waze gets 15% of that fee, um, whatever whatever it gets, whatever it happens to be, they get a 15% cut, which is ultimately going to Google. Um, so this is this is a way around it. And because you're allowed to do, as I said, trips there and back, two trips a day, one trip there, one trip back. So this is trying to get away, trying to get around the challenges that Uber is having. But ultimately, this is going to have an impact on, on cabbies anyway. So you have an app, you say, I'd like a ride, somebody picks you up, talk about safety challenges uh, again but you know here here's some way to do it and they're doing this to combat things like especially in Israel because um, and it might be a little bit lenient in in Israel because they have terrible traffic they have huge expense for cars cars are very expensive there and gas prices are out of this world and all across Europe they're out of this world so maybe um, uh, this will actually fly simply because they need a solution for this challenge and and uh, and certainly putting more cars on the road is not an option and people buying cars is not an option so maybe rideshare maybe uber maybe these guys maybe uh you know autonomous vehicles that drive you there uh, i don't know what it is but here's the first step so Waze is actually coming out with services pretty smart awesome all right and we have one more story now <laughs> the uh, design agency t3 you know uh, has decided to take tinder uh that that lovely app tinder it's crazy to the next level. Yeah. So if if you know swiping to the left or right is just too much for you and you can't you can't handle that. <laughs> well, guess what? If you have an Apple Watch or an Android Wear device uh, with with Tinder uh, running on that device, what we're going to do now is we're going to swipe for you, but we're going to do that using your heart rate. <laughs> yes. I, I, you heard me right. We're going to so you know I love it. The, you know the the person comes up on there and your heart, you know, rate increases because you like this person, or or it doesn't uh, because you don't. And basically, we're auto swiping based on uh, on your heart rate. <laughs> uh, really, really, th- we need to do this. Yes. You know? Uh, so, so there you go. It's it's not available yet. T3 uh, is is trying to get this app uh, out there, and uh, they're work- going to be working through the, the various app stores to uh, to make this happen. But hands free Tinder is what it's being described as at the moment. Um, you know, handling your swipes based on your heart rate reaction to what you know what what, what you're seeing. It seems I got nothing, I don't know what else to say about this. It's what what exactly could you be doing at the same time that might elevate your heart rate at the same time? You know you know what I mean? Like you could be running. You could you, you know what I mean? Like there's so yeah. many things that they, anyway. This is this is the evolution of of uh, how lazy can you be when yeah, you're this with, is just pointless uh, you know design trying to go and, and say hey we can do something with 
uh, a very popular app and maybe get some press around it. I, I, you know what? It's a, it's bound to happen at some point, right? Where you know, but uh, you got to take more into consideration than heart rate. You have mm-hmm. to. But you know, I've um, I've been playing with, uh, as I said, the latest in- installation, the, the beta of uh, iOS nine, and uh, the. The stats now that they're starting to collect around, uh, you know, your health stats is, is, is crazy, right? Everything is starting mm-hmm. to integrate now well with it. And and, um, and it's, it's a fascinating play because it gives you a really good view of everything that you're doing. And especially when you start to bring in stuff like, um, you know, heart rate from the watch and you start to bring in sleep stuff around how, how well you're sleeping and, and any kind of node that you're attached and, and how many times you, you, how much time you actually spend sedentary. So, um, you know, it, sometimes you can, you can just move and your heart rate elevates because you've been sitting down for two or three hours anyways uh yeah you know what's really like uh, i've been wearing the watch now for a while yeah and uh i I was on a flight this week um told you to to uh, stand up kept on telling you to stand up yeah Yeah. it's like it's like stand up stand up you gotta stand up i'm like i can't the seatbelt sign's on right now (laughs) what am i supposed to do you're having an argument with your watch obey my watch stop stop talking to me stop talking to me well i you know (laughs) yeah i i uh People, I, people often like they, they ask me now because I, I care. Obviously, I wear it and I wear it to the gym, and and, um, and they ask me a lot about it. And they say, well, like, what are your thoughts on it? And I've been I've been wearing it for now for however many weeks and or months, and um, it, it's it's become indispensable for me from a physical activity standpoint as well as a notification standpoint. I'm still tweaking that, but it, you know what? All these reports out there about the Apple Watch, you know, only selling twenty thousand units a day, and and how sales have fallen off a cliff. And if you do the math. You know, they, they sold, um, what was it that they sold? One and a half million devices leading up to the launch, right? And then they've sold 20,000 devices a day on average since then. Some have been higher, some have been lower, but on average. And the majority, 80% of the sales have been the cheapest model, like the $349 model. So if you just do the math on that, just just simply the math on the on the 1.5 million ones. I'm not even counting that. But since then, the 20,000 a day, it's 700 million dollars in revenue in 90 days. 700 million dollars. So they've done almost over two billion dollars in sales on the Apple Watch in 90 days. And people are saying, "Well, you look at the steep decline. That's a that's a crazy amount of money." And, and and it's small in relation to their revenue, their overall revenue, but it was the most successful product launch in their history. How can they, you know, it's just, it's a weird thing. Yeah. And my only, my only thing is that I, I don't see a day where I won't wear it ever again. No, I don't either. And it's, um, you know, it's interesting. It, had this not been that successful though. Yeah. Right. What would that have done to the entire rest Watch. of the industry? Yeah. Right. Would have killed it. Right, it would have killed the whole industry. Yep. So, so I, you know, in some ways, you know, Samsung and all these other guys, you know, they needed Apple Watch to be yeah. successful, yeah. right? You know, to kind of create that industry because that, I mean, that's always been Apple's role, in my opinion, around this stuff is is to create an industry. Yes. Well, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I know we got a resource here, but that's coming up. But it, it it plays very well into what I'm what I'm reading right now or what I'm listening to. As I said, I always listen to Audible.com. It is like it is the thing that I that I go to. Audible's awesome. Um, it's losing the signal, which is the untold story of Rim's uh, spectacular rise yeah. and spectacular fall, and it is uh, it is so disheartening and so amazing. This book is great because I was a part of that. I was I was in that with Rove while we were building this out in Magmic, um, and we had such great close relationships with all of the guys they're talking about, right? So Pat Spence, Patrick Spence, who was the VP of Sales, like, I I love that. I'm listening to the guys that I used to spend m- many hours with, meeting with uh, in in Waterloo. 
But um, but you talk about a moment where it's validated, all right? These guys built this industry. They built email in your pocket, on your hip. They built the, all of that. And then it wasn't validated until Apple came along with their iPhone. And then that just completely destroyed their entire business. It was gone. It was gone. Yeah. So you're right. Creator of markets, destroyers, destroyer of companies. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, all right, we get to the research, buddy man. Chuck, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I obviously sit down with Chuck quite often. And uh, we had a good opportunity to sit down and talk about how flyers, that's people in airplanes, use mobile apps and how the airlines actually use the mobile app when it comes to location. So here is Chuck Martin. Airlines are waking up to the impact of smartphones on, on, on its, the industry, the whole industry of airlines. 76% uh, now of airlines plan major pl uh, programs to deliver passenger services through smartphones in the next three years. And this is based on an industry study by uh, called the 2015 Airline IT Trends Survey uh, by SITA, CETA, the Airline Industry Organization. And this is based on, uh, it's an annual survey to do of senior IT executives of 100, 100 of the top passenger carriers worldwide. So this is kind of the, the big guys, if you will. They found that 9% 9, 9 of passengers now use mobile check-in, only 9%, uh, but that's double for the previous year, but only 9%, I, I just find that obscene. Um, by 2018, three years, they see 24% of passengers using mobile device to check in. And it's, it's being driven by the low-cast carriers. So if you look at low-cast carriers, they're already at 23% of their passengers already checking in. Um, hence by low cost, uh, because it's low cost because it doesn't cost that much money to print tickets. They've got people using smartphones. It's basically more, more efficient. Um, lost luggage, uh, the, the new thing that's going to be happening right now, only 10% of airlines keep you up to date and where your luggage is, but in three years, uh, that number is going to be 70%. Now, that doesn't mean you get your luggage, it just means you know where it's lost. Uh, now when it's lost, you, just, you don't know where it's lost, it's just lost, but now you'll know just where it is. Uh, it doesn't get it to you. The the, the, the striking news in this is that based on the, the survey, they're looking at what's going to be happening in three years, but we're in 2015, we still have 2016 and 2017, and a lot of us travel a lot, so we're going to still stay around that 9% group in terms of activity in the airlines for mobile. All right, that's Chuck Martin. Chuck Martin is the author of two great, amazing books. He's actually working on a third one on the Internet of Things. That should be coming out soon. I would pick it up as I do all of Chuck's books. That's Chuck Martin. Thank you, Chuck, for allowing us to use that here on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. All right, let's see if we get to finish this off with a resource. What is what is this thing that you're talking about here? The uh, Prox yeah. book? So uh, earlier this week, um, uh, one of our members, Unicast, uh, has been uh, pushing this uh, the development of this, uh, what they're calling the Proximity Information Economy. Um, and basically a, a directory of uh, proximity solution providers, uh, PSPs. And so uh, we decided to, to partner with them uh, along with uh, Steve Statler and, and, and his team to release this thing uh, called Proxbook. So if you just go to proxbook.com, proxbook.com, it's a growing directory of everybody that's in the proximity solution mm. provider world. That's cool. Uh, GPS, uh, NFC, magnetics, RFID companies, Wi-Fi companies, beacon companies. Every, everybody's in this thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so if you're looking for that, uh, you know, as a resource, you do, you're looking for that sort of de facto directory, if you will, 
of everybody who's in the ecosystem. Um, you know, certainly we encourage you if you're not already to uh, to get listed in there. It's free, uh, and if you're looking for you know the resource to go go to Proxbook as a place uh, where you can find that information. So uh, we're happy to be a big part of that, supporter of that, uh, and uh, we you know thanks to Unicast for uh, sort of driving that initiative and making it happen. So there you go. Proxbook.com. Yeah, that's good. That that is a resource that is needed. It is, and I'm I'm pretty sure it will expand and contract and change and absolutely as the industry does, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Steve. Anything else? Have we uh, just nailed this? Do we want to talk about anything else? Any other resources, recommendations? Go Blue Jays. Go Blue yeah. Jays. <laughs> Go Blue Jays. Okay, that's something. Yeah, it's something. It I is mean, something. They, they need all the help they can get, man. They're gonna play the Kansas City Royals now. Well, uh, and Casey, like, what a great story that is. Are we talking about like? I love the fact that uh, this team has just emerged, and uh, finally, it's one of these companies, or these one of these companies, one of these uh, teams that just you know everybody was thinking, hey, let's just relocate that team to Montreal because right? they suck, just like the Pittsburgh Penguins of yore, right? And, and mm -hmm. here they are contending. I love that. How about those Pittsburgh Penguins? Phil Kessel is going to score 50 goals now. <laughs> I don't know We're happy to have him out of here. Don't worry. All right. Yeah, you, you should be. No, you, you don't. You, you want to rebuild. You, you want to go for the cup in 2025. I think yeah. that maybe 2030. Yeah. Maybe what, sometime in our lifetime. Whatever it takes. Uh, the last big announcement that happened this week, I know that everybody's been waiting for it, and I, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm actually ecstatic to, uh, to put this out here for those of you who are still listening. Um, Bruce Springsteen, he has been releasing some of the greatest performances, live performances in high-quality, high-def audio. He's now released this one. Uh, it is from California 1988, the Tunnel of Love Tour, the LA Sports Arena in California in 1988. It is a uh, unbelievable, unbelievable concert. It's actually when he started doing Born to Run as an acoustic song, if you can believe it. And when he didn't play Thunder Road in every concert. Uh, this was during his big war. What is it good for? You know, and uh, anyway, great, great, great concert. So if you're a Springsteen fan and you are actually still listening to this, uh, you will appreciate that quite well. The LA Sports Arena, California 98, 1988 from the Tunnel of Love tour. I, I don't know where we go. That's the last yeah, story. We we're can't... done. I think we're done. On that note. That is it. All right. 242 over. Done. We'll be back for 243 next week. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you then. Safe, safe week. No, not too yeah. many bug bites, man. Stay away from the bread. Right. All right, here we go. Coming back in three. And what are we? What are we? What are we doing here? Where am I going to right now? I Number one. Oh yeah, I can we can start? We can start. Okay, here we go. Three, two.